Hello and welcome to the Under the Spotlight podcast with me, Echidadoku, and Michael Dryden. This episode is the final installment of our managers under the Spotlight series brought to you by Breaking the Lines and Why Football. Today, I'm pleased to say we're joined by Aidan Suchak. Aidan is a writer for Breaking the Lines and Football Idealists. Aidan is joining us today to discuss Bruno Large, a Wolves' impressive season so far, Large's system, how Wolves differ from their time under Nuno Espirito Santo, and whether Large is the man to take Wolves forward. And we'll discuss how Wolves can become even better under the Portuguese manager. Aidan published an article uh, with Breaking the Lines named uh, Bruno Large Profiling Wolves, Profiling the Wolves Manager, which covers a number of topics we'll be covering today. So please, if you can, check that out. So Aidan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Brilliant stuff. And, and Michael as well, how are you doing? I'm good. I think I'm going to have to start writing some short introductions because, uh, well, it'll probably get edited out, but HS has some stumbling every week <laughs> for our intro. So. Yeah, so it's, it's been a difficult few days. Um, I think, obviously, uh, the Arsenal Twitter meltdown over a variety of signings means that I'm not in tip-top form today. Um, it's very hard. It's very hard. It's very hard to read an intro when you've got tears in your eyes. You see, very so, I feel that. I feel yeah, that. <laughs> it's not easy at all. Yeah, I just love how Arsenal and Twitter's went from obviously before where it was like you know Arsenal were like lumbering like ninth. Anything, any positive news was good. Now I saw I've been seeing things on Twitter about oh my god, we're not going to sign Vla- Vla- Vlahovic and we're going to be stuck with Lacazette and then Eddie and Kent. Yeah, it's like come on, Arsenal fans, man, you've came on so far. Don't let don't let your Twitter ruin it. Yeah, they, they 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 always were. I think the thing with Arsenal fans is, you know, expectations have changed, uh, and 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 as a result, fans kind of deserve a bit. Well, they feel that they deserve a bit more, um, and also our striker options aren't aren't brilliant at the moment. Hence the the craving for a, a new shiny toy, um, whether that be a DCL action figure or an Alexander <laughs> Isaac figure. Uh, or a Jonathan Davis figure uh, who waits to be seen. That is very true. So getting into the topic today, uh, Aidan, um, so as referenced by by Eches in the intro, you have a number of articles in um, Breaking the Lines, including a very recent article on um, Arsenal's striker search, um, funny enough. Um, So I know you're an Arsenal fan, so I can see the inspiration with that one, but what inspired you to write about um, Bruno Larges Wolves? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the recent article about the striker search is, you know, I, I agree with Eches. I'm just, I've got tears in my eyes. It's been a difficult month. But I think one of the reasons why I, I like to write about other teams as well is to kind of, to, to not always uh, be focusing on Arsenal. It can be, it can be uh, difficult at times with how much buzz we get. But I think mm. the main reason why I, I was inspired to write about Wolves is just because I think they're kind of like my second favorite team in terms of like who I'm watching. I watch a lot of Premier League. Um, and, and, and Wolves are, are, are a team that I like to tune into. I've been tuning into them really. I, I've been following Adama Traore's career since he left Barcelona and came to England. And um, he's a player that's always been really exciting to me. I really loved his, his style. And also as an American, um, he's built like a football player, like an American football player. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and there, I think there's like an article a long time ago that I read that that kind of got him on my radar because it was comparing him to like, could he play in the, in, in the NFL? And he, he definitely could, I think. But um, since then, you know, I really started paying more attention to the style and the system since they were promoted, obviously. And they've been in the Premier League now for a while. Under Nuno, I was really interested in their, you know, how they defended as a unit. 
um, you know, how quality their individual defenders were. And so it's, I, you know, I've just been interested in watching them since then. Um, and up till now, I mean, they've gotten uh, even more exciting, I think, under Log. Yeah, it's been like a rise since, you know, the days of League One through to um, Espirito Santo taking over now to the Premier League. And and with Lodge, um, you mentioned Dama Traore linked with linked with Barcelona, um, the club that he once played for, which is somewhat surprising, also linked with with Tottenham. Um, he, he is like a Marmite footballer in a sense that some people rave about him, his, you know, number of successfully completed dribbles, etc., touches in the box. Others look at like, you know, more basic metrics like goals, assists and just like to say that he's useless. <laughs> but um that's that's football fans. Large himself, um, prior to joining Wolves, his only notable experience as manager of a senior side was during his stint at, um, at Benfica, where he won the Primera Liga in his first season, uh, having joined in January 2019. Before an uninspiring second season resulted in, him in, resulted in him leaving his post. With that in mind, a little bit of a Brendan Rodgers figure in that regard, were you surprised to see Wolves replace? Well, firstly, were you, were you surprised to see Nuno Espirito Santo leave? And secondly, were you surprised to see Bruno Large as the man to take over? Yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, there was kind of this feeling, I think, that Nuno had really proved himself, you know, and he he did it quickly. And it, it doesn't happen for a lot of managers in, in the PL, I don't think. It's, it's kind of rare for a manager to kind of rise so fast up the ranks in terms of how he's respected for his system or, you know, the way he coaches the team, the way the players speak about him. And so I think it was... In some ways, I wasn't surprised to see Nuno um, get a move. I was surprised at how quickly he rose up the ranks, for sure. But I wasn't surprised to see him get a bigger move to Spurs. I think that was kind of a no-brainer for him in the moment. I don't know how he would look back at it now, mm. given the fact that he's already gone from from that job. But um, you know, it's it's I would I would assume he he saw it as an obvious upgrade in terms of the stadium, the training facilities, the quality of the players, all that stuff. So you know that that makes a little bit more sense to me. Uh, in terms of Lodge, I, I really, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't familiar with him much at all. Maybe I've, I've seen his name thrown around a couple times before he joined, but um, it, it, it kind of makes sense in one end. I, I guess I wasn't expecting him particularly to be um, the new manager, but given the sort of ties to George Mendez that the, that the club have um, and, and the fact that, you know, George Mendez is also somebody who, um, I mean, I, I can't really get into the politics of, I don't, I don't really fully understand his, his direct connection, but I know it's there. But he's somebody who also likes to break new players in, new managers into the sort of, um, whether it's the Premier League or whether it's just sort of the mainstream, because he's an agent, you know, that's his sort of job. Yeah. And I think he's doing that with Lodge. And so I, I guess I wrote in my notes here that he kind of likes to break people into the industry, so to speak. And so I think that that's what, what he was partially doing here with with Lodge. And that connection just kind of makes sense to me. And, and, and given the way he's performed and the way Wolves has performed, it, it's worked out really well. Yes, indeed. I mean, the, the the Mendes connection is is well documented, and it's almost a bit of an unknown because obviously an agent is not allowed to actually work or be a director right, for a, right. for a club. But um, I think I saw a quote from the sporting director of Wolves. I don't know the name, but referring to himself as a client of um, of Mendes, which they very much are, and have benefited massively from um, his involvement. Yeah, I think. Um you know Bruno coming in is it was almost a bit of a breath of fresh air for Wolves I think as much as Nuno's stock had risen during his time there I think the European campaign and and, and the final season got a bit stale I think it was one of those ones where you know you've taken us this x distance you know maybe it's time to 
look at something a bit different. You know, when fans are seeing your side perform quite well after you come from the championship, there's always a craving for more attacking football. Um, Wolves under Nuno sat very deep um, and they didn't really, they used to concede a lot of possession. But I think Bruno was kind of, you know, let's let, let's get the antidote to that. More attacking football, more vibrancy, get the crowd really going. So I think it's one of those ones where it's a bit of a mix, really, where thank you for your service, but we want to have a, the new version or the more attacking version of yourself to come in and hopefully uh, push us at the table. Yeah, indeed. And just final, finally, for around context of Large, um, many people will know this, but he's actually no stranger to English football, given he's assistant to... Uh, Carlos Carvajal at Sheffield Wednesday and um, Swansea City, which was unknown to me prior to um, doing this episode. So, so yeah, so on the topic of Nuno, um, Etcher, as rightly pointed out, had gone a little bit still. Nuno guided Wolves to 13th last season. Um, they currently sit in 8th at the moment at a large um, after 21 games. And have won four out of the last five, including a draw at home to Chelsea and a win away to uh, United, which I watched and they completely outclassed United. And then to see Large or to hear Large in the press conference after, just completely talk down or just go through Ragnick's tactics. <laughs> I'll talk about how he yeah. defeated him. It was so funny. Are you surprised by Wolves' recent form and to see them so high up the table so early on in sort of Large's tenure at Wolves? Yeah, I mean, I, I think firstly... You know, it's you make a good point, which is about just like the stagnation under Nuno and the way that like I, I think for some teams that's okay. You know, some teams are, are fine sitting, you know, finishing between let's say thirteenth uh, and and maybe eighth, uh, you know, within that range, um, you know, consistently because th- some teams are just want to stay in 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 the league. Um, but for Wolves in the hierarchy, they clearly want to move the project forward and take mm. another step. And they felt like Lodge is the guy to do it. And I think it's clear from that press conference that he understands the game. He understands the English game in particular, how, how to sort of like maneuver uh, and how to do what he's doing. And so, I, I mean, I think he, he's come in and he's looked like a seasoned veteran, you know, in, in that role. And it makes sense, you know, given the fact that he has a little bit of experience in England already as an assistant. And I think in terms of, Am I surprised? I guess I'm a little surprised, but when I looked a little bit deeper, I, I, my initial answer to this question when you sort of sent it in the email when I was looking through them was, was yes, I am surprised, given the fact that they kind of did stagnate a little bit in the last few years. But now that I kind of look deeper into the players that they've brought in, in particular, um, they've improved the squad a lot. I mean, they've promoted Max Kilman really to first choice on the right side of the three. Um, and he's incredible. I mean, he, he's a guy who... Um, you know, can, can, can physically cope. And he's also really nice with his feet as well. You know, he's got a, he's got a nice um, ability to, to actually move the ball with his feet. He's got a lot more confidence. And then, you know, the, 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 uh, the purchase of Jose saw, I mean, is just, he's revolutionized that team. Mm. He's made them so much more compact. So I'll be honest with you. When I actually look at the incomings, um, if Nuno was still there, I think that it'd be a little bit better. But I think since Lodge is here, and and I do think that Lodge brings a little bit more of an attacking news, sort of a this idea that that he wants to play a little bit more free flowing, and I think we'll get into that later, um, has kind of just maximized the potential of the players that he he's either promoted or he's brought in. So so yeah, I think that's that, that that's how I feel about that. Yeah, what one of those incomings, um, He Chan. Is I think just as today or yesterday is, is going to be made permanent from RB Leipzig, I think for around 14 million. So that would be a really positive step. But yeah, they have made quite a lot of 
um, of signings in the summer and also a couple already so far. And again, with that Mendes connection, you expect not only the quantity, but the quality of incomings um, is going to grow. So you're right that, you know, even if Nuno was still here, perhaps we would have seen a, um, a rise. But some stats that I've got to throw out just right now about, <laughs> about Lars's uh, reign so far. So 10 wins so far this season, 19 goals scored and 16 goals against in 21 matches, which is a crazy statistic. 1.79 points per goal, which is the best in the league. And I think I saw it in Sky Sports before the United game at that point was the highest in Premier League history at that point in this in the season. Points per goal is a bit of a subjective point because you could score 10 goals a game and win every game and it wouldn't be very high. <laughs> but right, exactly. it kind of a show, it kind of displays consistency. Um, you know, you win every game one nil and that one that points per goal stat will be really high, and that's seemingly what they've been doing. Um so it shows how structurally structured they've been at the back, but as well as well they do they do tend to score and therefore convert them into wins. Um so moving on to larger system at Wolves and starting with a defensive strategy that again has seen Wolves concede just sixteen goals in twenty one games. You noted in your article that out of possession, Wolves are incredibly well drilled and difficult to break down while also utilizing an effective um, pressing rotation. So how does Lars like to set up defensively? And would you consider them a high pressing side or not? Yeah, I think so. Defensively, he sets up in a, in a kind of similar to how Nuno set up. He sets, sets up in a, in pretty much in a 5-4-1 block out of possession, um, which I think is known for its compactness, its ability to close down the half spaces in particular. And what I'm most impressed with is not necessarily the exact way he sets up, but more that he's so quickly understood and, and I guess knew already coming into the job, you know, how the Premier League um, works and, and, and how, you know, I, I think I saw a stat a couple, like uh, maybe like last week or something that La Liga had, had, uh, has, a, has significantly more crosses than the Premier League, right? And so I think that just mm. speaks to the fact that in the Premier League, the quality and the pace is so quick that and the physicality is so much that a lot of teams are trying to exploit the central areas because that's where their players work best or the half spaces and i think that that's something i mean obviously you see it with liverpool you see it with city they have players who literally their job is is to carry the ball into the half spaces and then combine with other players liverpool salah and mane that's where they make their runs from right and so um you know i think he's set up in a way that is really smart right it's it's an intentionally uh, intelligent way of, of, um, of setting up. And then he combines that with, you know, this really sort of interesting press because, you know, the, the, the three forwards typically, unless they're playing against a really, really good team when he, he just sort of does sit back and is compact and willing to cede possession, you know, the three forwards are, are typically pressing quite high. So a lot of times their pressing structure looks a lot more aggressive than say their defensive structure when they're out of possession, but they get back, into that sort of block really, really fast, um, you know, when they do lose the ball or when their press is broken. And another key element of that is that he's really just said to, to the goalkeeper, to Jose Sai, he said, just collect everything, stay on the edge of your box and collect mm -hmm. everything. And what that does is when you combine that with um, five players across the back and then four players in midfield, what you have is this, in, this very tight sort of, um, it's hard to describe it in words, honestly, but it's, it's this sort of like, it, it reduces the pitch, right? So no longer are, you know, it, it's basically cutting off the midfield and then their, the, you know, the edge of their boxes, you know, those sort of middle zones and then the half space zones as well. And so the only way to really get at them 
is to try to go through the sides or try to put long balls over the top. And the goalkeeper is so good at coming out that really the only way that teams can create chances is, you know, effectively and consistently against Wolves is by essentially crossing the ball a lot of time or from, you know, set plays and things like that. And they've got a lot of height in their defense. But also, I think it's just a smart move because that's not how most Premier League teams play. Even the teams that are lower down the table that are really, really good, like teams like West Ham, right, for example, or Brighton, for example, they do not like to cross the ball into the box because they don't have massive target. And I mean, Mikel Antonio is really good, but he's also an elite linkman. That's what he does. He plays with his back to goal. He doesn't necessarily look to latch onto crosses all the time. So I think he's just set up really smartly more than anything else. But but the block is, is really consistent. And he also is understands that he's working with a defensive core that hasn't changed a ton. So he still has Connor Cody, he still has Saiz, mm. he still has Semedo, he still has eight Nori, right, from last season. And those guys are, are know how to play in the three. You know, those guys either are wingbacks by trade. Connor Cody is, you know, a, a central focal point in a back three. And so by not changing that, it's also really smart, right? Because he's got guys who are comfortable doing the thing that he's asking them to do instead of having to blow up the system and, and try again, which would, would see them, obviously, they wouldn't be as high up in the table as they were if he had come in and changed everything. Yeah, reminders there from what you said of almost like Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid setting up really compactly, forced them to cross the ball in only for the the absolute legend and you know aerial dominant man that is Diego Godin, who obviously is now left, but um, to sweep the ball away. Um, so it's almost like a segue into um, Wolves in possession. You noted in your article, I recall, around Ruben Neves and his role um, in the side. Um, obviously, when they sit, if they do go into a five, um, and then a bank of four as well, that can allow Wolves or any team to to get pegged back, right? Um, and so, when you do get the ball back, when you have been pegged back, it can be quite easy, quite difficult to get out. How important is Ruben Neves to going from that defensive formation in transition, moving on to receiving the ball and and moving forward with the ball? I mean, he's key, and and he's I mean, he's an incredible player. He's amazing. I mean. I think mostly what he's learned this year is a little bit of pause when uh, he's looking forward. I think a lot of the criticism he gets as a player is that sometimes he's just looking for like the killer pass all the time. I think Bruno Fernandez gets the same criticism. Um, although with both of these plays, it's like you can't really question it because they do, they're, they're consistently pulling those off a lot of times, mm. right? I mean, Bruno Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez, excuse me, puts up crazy numbers and Neves when you watch him play he's constantly putting dangerous balls uh you know in, across over the back line you know when they're counter pressing or something like that so he's really key and he's not only really good at sort of uh transitioning the ball from one end to the other but <clears throat> he's also just really good at shooting at the edge of the box I mean it sounds, sounds like a simple thing but what's so effective about Wolves you know you talk about the sort of small margin that they have is that they have these two guys in Moutinho and Neves who are just a danger at the edge of the box mm. so even if their strikers aren't necessarily putting up tons of goals the team the other team has to respect them right so even if their goals per game or you know the amount of goals they've scored this season which we'll also get into I'm, sh- I'm sure they have not scored a lot of goals this season yeah um you know even if that's low, you've got guys like Neves who can just do so many different things. And so not only is it the fact that he's so good at turning and immediately putting his head up and looking for a long ball or looking to play somebody wide and keep possession, but he's also a danger from the edge of the box, you know, constantly. Mm, indeed. Uh, I should say only Man City have conceded fewer goals than than Wolves just touching back on the defensive um, strategy. 
I'm full of stats today. 26.78 expected goals against. So they've outperformed that pretty well. Um, so suggestions of, of overachievements in that area, but you know, it's been so positive. Moving on to offensive strategy. Um, you noted in your article that the Wolves players are encouraged in possession to move the ball quickly to the spare man and take calculated risks um, when the opportunity arises again, trying to get out of that kind of probably 5-4 formation, spring on the attack. So how does Large encourage his team to progress the ball out and how key is Raul Jimenez to this system? Yeah, so I think, you know, they do two things really well and they only did one of these things under Nuno. I think under Nuno, they were really good at um, immediately springing a counterattack, right? So they had players like Adama Traore who were mostly playing as a wing back, who was able to just sort of be the last man ready to go whenever. And Raul's so important to that because he has an ability to pick a pass as, as an attacker and he has the ability to hold the ball up. So when they're running and it's a run out, even if he's not the highest man up the pitch, if the ball comes to his feet, he's still effective. And so, you know, he works really, really well in transition. But the other thing that Wolves do is that now they counterpress a little bit more, I think. And so what that looks like is it looks like them actually starting to win the ball a little bit more in midfield, as opposed to, you know, the opposition have a shot and the opposition fail or they don't do so well, they mess up their attacking move or the shot goes wayward. And then that allows Wolves to to sort of uh, immediately jump on the counterattack more now that actually can be fluid in possession. And, and what that, um, you know, what that entails and what that looks like is um, they have really dynamic forwards who can all do a little bit of something different. What that allows is the wingbacks essentially be providing the width at all times. So the wingback jobs are actually quite simple when you watch them. They're there to, I mean, in the in the final third, it's a little bit more fluid. And I think we'll talk about that more too, because that's what Laj likes. He wants his team to be fluid and to take risks, like I mentioned in the article. But it allows the wingbacks to be very sort of um, stagnant in terms of their positioning. But what the forwards are all doing is they're all linking together. They're looking to sort of play cute passes between each other, bring, attract the press, and then break it. And what Raul is so good at doing is he's just really good at like running off the back of defenders. He's really good at with mm. his back to goal. So when the ball comes to him to his feet, he can turn and, and play a guy wide or he can play, play a pass inside, like over the shoulder. But then on the, on the other side, I mean, there's a, I think I'm trying to remember what game it was. Um, I think it was against West Ham when they won 1-0. Early in that game, West Ham just decided not to press Neves, right? And so in possession mm. in, in the past, Nuno's teams wouldn't look very uh, – aggressive aside from Neves himself trying to like play balls over the top but now with Lodge he's encouraging those forward guys to make runs and Raul is so good at it and so he makes this incredible run off the back shoulder of Craig Dawson I think and he just totally sells him because West Ham are trying to push up to uh, block the space where the wingbacks would normally receive the ball right so now there's more space for Raul he's such a smart runner he runs over the back of that, and Neves just pings the ball right to him, and he's got a one-on-one with the keeper. He blew the chance, but, I mean, it's it's a good example of how this year Wolves can hit you in a different way. They can, they can hurt you in, in multiple ways in a way where under Nuno, especially in the last season, it just didn't look that way. It didn't look like they were going to score from any other situation other than a counterattack at, at certain times last season. Yeah, and I've got another example, actually, of just what you described, and that was the game against Southampton at the very start of the season. I think it was Jimenez's first goal in the Premier League since coming back from his head injury when Ansar got the assist, where he just... It was quite near the end of the game. I think they were already 1-0 up, um, and so were defending, and just basically saw collected the ball, as you mentioned, um, as a sweeper-keeper, sent the ball across the pitch 
which Raul Jimenez used strength to get um, by the defenders, took on one defender and, and put the ball away. Um, and that was just a great, great kind of example of what of what you've described. Um, but sticking with the fence, and you did mention it, 19 goals in 21 games is not a huge return at all. Expected goals in that time of 22.58, so they're not even far off their expected goals. Um, funnily enough, a little bit of context of large again, in his first season at Benfica, I know it's a very different different league. Benfica are a different kind of entity within that league compared to Wolves in the Premier League. But his his side scored 72, goal, 72 goals in the 19 league games that Lars took charge of in that first season, including a 10-0 win over Nacional at an average of 3.8 goals per game. Whilst at Wolves, Lars has scored just 19 goals, um, or <laughs> Lars' Wolves has scored just 19 goals at an average of nine, uh, 0.9 goals per game. Um so would you say their lack of goals is a concern or should they continue to rely on their defensive success or just the balance that they've created? I would say I think it's more of a concern for the the ownership who need to bring in a really pure goal scorer into that team. I think that's pretty obvious, like in terms of uh, who's in the squad, I mean. But when I look at, you know, the overall structure and the way that they play, under Lodge, there's you can clearly tell like it's, it's actually kind of sim- similar to how Brighton are. I know Brighton had a there was a big deal last last year because of how much expected goals they were creating, um, and they were just sort of and, and Wolves had a similar start to the season. I think and you mentioned that as well um, earlier. And I don't think it's that much of a concern in terms if we're talking about Lodge. Obviously, it's a concern overall that you're only scoring only have 19 goals up to this point. They have not scored enough goals. That's obviously. Um, true, mm. but I think I would say overall it's better to be solidly defend solid defensively in the Premier League than it is to be ruthless offensively. Um, I mean, you look at teams like Manchester United, Liverpool, Spurs. You know, this season particularly, obviously Liverpool in past seasons have not been this way. But these are examples of three teams. I think Arsenal to a, to a certain extent last season, actually very much last season, they would leaking goals for fun, and that's what United do. That's what Liverpool do. That's what Spurs do this season. You know, they, they, they look a little bit vulnerable at times. And, you know, but all those teams can score whenever. You never question if United are able to score or not. The issue is always that, you know, or it has typically been that they're too easy to break down. And I think that the thing that um, Lodge has brought is a solidity where, you know, they aren't easy to break down. They're incredibly difficult to break down. I think that overall has been more of a value to them than the rather, you know, the, the detriment. It's kind of balanced out the lack of goals. And I think that they can find another, let's say, six to ten goals in places they haven't found them yet. Let's say maybe that's Pedro Neto coming back into the team. Mm. Maybe Trincao finds some form. Maybe Chan gets back to where he was before now that he's on, on a permanent. Uh, you know, Raul has actually scored uh, quite recently. as uh, Moutinho scoring now. So if they can find... A, you know, let's say half a dozen more goals or a little bit more between now and the end of the season, that we won't be talking about, you know, their lack of goals in the same way. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, I think that that's, that's the way I see it. It's, it feels more of an issue of personnel than it does about, um, you know, the system that they're playing. Yeah, indeed. And they, as I said, they haven't kind of, it's not as if the XG is like 30 goals and they've scored 19. They're not too far off their XG. Um, and they've collected points. They've collected a lot of wins. You know, not just wins against bottom sides, um, but actually, as we discussed, a win against United, a draw against um, Chelsea. These are these are points against top top sides. So how can you argue with 
with the points, you know, you, you try and score more goals, you might become more leaky and actually will that result in more points? Not necessarily. Um, it's hard to say. Um, so we kind of touched on the comparisons with Nuno. Um, but in your article, you note that um, that large aims to play with a, with a hyper compact um, system, similar to um, Nuno Espirito Santos Wolves. Um, however, then you later state that largest Wolves are much different stylistically from their previous manager. Interestingly, Wolves only achieved 0.95 goals per game last season under Nuno across the whole season, which I thought was an interesting statistic. So how? So the question is, how would you compare Lages Wolves to that of Nuno's overall? Yeah, I mean, I think they're both uh, coaches that are really um, about the system that they play. I think each of them in their own right wants players a lot of times to stick to certain zones. You know, if you're playing in this position or, or this is your role, you stick to that role, right? You don't break that too much. You don't get a little bit too creative. I think the real difference, though, is that Nuno at the end of the day was a pragmatist. So he, I feel like he approached every game in this very regimented way. And sometimes, a lot of times, last season in particular, that looked very cautious. I think partially because of the injuries issues they had. They were in Europe. That was a real struggle. Um, and he was a little too cautious. And I think that it cost them. But I think that Laj is much more of a philosopher, if that makes sense. He has this idea that he has these attacking patterns and his goal is, hey, the attacking patterns that I'm teaching you guys are going to get you into the final third. And at that point, I want you to take risks and do different things that you might not, you know, normally do in trading, for example, or, you know, tr- try something out that's really spectacular or different. You you mentioned the Jose Sa kind of launching the ball and, and getting a goal from there. Like, that's the type of thing that, that Laj encourages that I think Nuno didn't as much. And so they're much more confident and aggressive on the ball. And I think that's the biggest difference overall. When they're on the ball, they believe that they're going to score. They want to score. Even if they're not scoring, there's a difference in mentality and a difference in approach. And I think that that's really the difference. And when you watch them play, I, I, I keep using Brighton as an example, but it's because they kind of attack similarly to Brighton. Brighton are a team that do not necessarily – I don't even think they have better quality profiles than Wolves do. But they're constantly in the final third against a majority of the teams in the league, peppering them with with shots. And, and, and obviously, they don't score enough goals either at this point. But, you know, that's another example of a team that they believe that they can score. They they want to score. Their, their aim is to win the game. Whereas I think a lot of times Nuno was a little was was a lot more cautious and didn't always approach. Um, his game plans in, in a way that was conducive to, you know, going out and actually scoring. And therefore, he was kind of stuck in this, you know, 0.95 goals per game. And again, at the end of the season, if Lodge is, is still stuck where he is now, which is pretty much the same, um, you know, we'll have to come back and we'll have to say, okay, wait, what's the deal here? But I would say overall, the difference in the system is that, you know, if you inserted a pure goal scorer that was really, really good, into that system. I mean, I don't know, like, if you inserted, like, Mo Salah into that system, I don't know if he, I don't think he really fits the system, but, but, you know, as an example, maybe you insert Romelu Lukaku as an example. You know, goals will come. He'll score, that guy will score goals because he'll get tons of opportunities and he'll be in good positions. But I think it's more about, again, I've said this before, but I think it's more about finding the right player to add to that front three. And maybe it's Pedro Neto. Maybe he comes back and he scores, you know, on the same level that he looked like he was scoring last season. Um, and maybe Raul, you know, uh, you know, br- brings his tally up again. But 
I don't think they have a pure goal scorer right now. I think that's more of the issue than than uh, the system. Yeah, I think you made a very good point there in terms of with Wolves. Uh, I mean, first of all, I have to point out that I've, I've never heard uh, Michael mention so many numbers and stats in, in one podcast episode uh, <laughs> since, since 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 I've known him. So yeah, clearly clearly he he's a fan of what Bruno's doing at at Wolves, but. I think uh, what, what one thing is a really good point, though, is that with the numbers and with the stats, is you sometimes you, you miss what they're actually doing. And you're right that the intent, the way that Wolves are attacking, has changed completely. And you're right to also highlight Brighton because I know Brighton were famous last year for what was it? They were fifth in the league in terms of XG for and against, which highlighted right. which highlighted a poor defence at times in terms of the goals that they were conceding and also a blunt attack, which they're still struggling from now. I've watched Brighton and Wolves numerous times this season where they've not won games. I watched Wolves Spurs way early on in the season. They lost mm-hmm. one they lost one nil, but they played Spurs off the park. I just watched Brighton right. play, play Chelsea the other day. Similar thing. They kind of deserved to kind of get something from the game and actually win it at the end. I think it was a one-one draw. And that's what it is about intent. And I think that's what Wolves have changed. You know, with Nuno, they sat very deep and they they were very dull to watch. Whereas you've got Mark Markel and you've got Semedo really flying. And yeah, it's really good to watch. I think Neves has had probably his best season in England, I'd, I'd push to say, this year. And yeah, I think I think in terms of the feel-good factor at Wolves, which has gone a bit blunt after the initial, hey, we've come to the Premier League, we've not been relegated. It kind of fell away with a disappointing season last year and the negative football. But I think um, Lars done a tremendous job at getting that feel-good factor back, even though the goals aren't coming. And you're right to highlight, with a pure goal scorer, I think there's so many sides in the Premier League, if they had a pure goal scorer, they'll be doing a lot better. But I think for some teams, it's a bit more blatant than others. And I'd definitely put Wolves in that category. Yeah, I think the, the comparisons to Brighton are very apt um, on this show. If it's a theme for people to take away, that's uh, that's that's one of the themes to take away. Um, I think that on the Jimenez point, again, he we discussed earlier, he, he likes to come deep and as part of them getting out of that five and four structure, he comes deep, he'll get the ball, he'll play it off to the likes of, well, what would have been Neto, but also the likes of Trincao um, and Podence when he plays. We haven't mentioned him yet. Um, but then it's about then how can they then push forward and break with speed? And you've got they've got a lot of players like Pedro Neto, Podence, Trincao, very similar players, very technical players that can play in very tight areas in those half spaces. But in terms of them darting forward and really hitting pace towards the goal, we, apart from Adama Traore, of course, um, that isn't necessarily forthright. So I wonder if an injection of pace up front with likes of Heat Chan become permanent. Um, some other signings, I mean, I reckon probably Podence, Trincao and Pedro Neto could beat me in a, in a foot race. Um, <laughs> but when we, we are talking Premier League standard here. Um, so yeah, I wonder if that injection of pace, if it comes, will um, will help that. Um, so moving on to, to outlook for Large and Wolves, can Wolves continue their impressive results um, this season uh, in and secure a top ten? Well, let's say top ten, top ten, or even top ten, top eight finish um, this season. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it, it's impossible. I think I think it's it's quite likely, honestly, that they'll finish in the top half, just the way that they've been playing, but also the players that they brought in. They brought in a new winger, um, and and they've got a. I, I don't know if they're 
in their very last game, I was just recently just watching the highlights of the game against Brentford. They had a new defender in that I, I, I didn't recognize. I don't know if he's been on their books already or if he just came in. Yeah, the winger you're referring to is Chiquinho. And the, mm-hmm. the def- I think it's the way to defend Toti Gomez um, started right. and a half. And I'll just quickly note, he came in from Grasshoppers and they've actually, so the owner of Grasshoppers is um, the wife of the, one of the directors in Force, is it Fosu or Forsen? Who, uh-huh. own, yeah. who own Wolves. And so there's a, an affiliation now between um, Grasshoppers and Wolves. If you go on transfermarket.com or .co.uk, my favorite website, um, for checking transfers, you will see an absolute sea of activity between Wolves and Grasshoppers. Interesting. Um, so Tosi Gomez is from Grasshoppers. Um, just a bit of, bit of context. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they can finish in, in the top half. I think they will finish in the top half. I think the thing that, in some ways, it's almost like, we need a player from, we need a Portuguese player, or we need a Portuguese striker, or they do. Wolves need a Portuguese striker who's really, really clinical to come through that they can get easily. Because I think almost this affiliation with Grasshoppers and this affiliation with George Mendes in, in some ways has held them back a little bit. Because those are the only players that they're bringing in. And none of them to this point, except for Neto maybe, has really been... Um, clinical super clinical in front of goal or has shown the ability to to become that that player and I don't know if um you know their new signings this window will do that but I think that um they're going to keep progressing I think they'll be better next year and I think that the key to unlocking I I really think that they're a team that can get back into Europe um and and can stay in Europe I mean I see Leicester as a, a kind of a declining team I see Brighton as a team who are good and, and they're moving up. I see West Ham similarly, but 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 Wolves have a really amazingly talented squad. And a lot of those players are either in their prime or they're super young. I mean, their wing back core is young. They've mm. got younger defenders. They've got young attackers. Like they're going to be good for a while if they stick with it. But the key to unlocking that team is to find a way to get more goals in there. And if they can do that, um, I mean, I think without that, they're going to finish in the top half. But I think if they can do that next season and bring in like a real goal, goal scorer or whatever, you know, again, some of the players that they have right now are, are good enough to do that. I think Trincao is a long-term project, but he's he's got incredible. I wrote an article on him um, early in the season. He's got incredible finishing technique. Um, you know, when he was at Barcelona, he's shown flashes of it. If he can really put that together, I mean, they're going to be a really good team. They're going to be they're going to be better than you know top ten. They're going to be you know potentially pushing top six or, or top, you know, into those like lower European places for a long time if they can continue, um, you know, recruiting the way they are or not, not continue recruiting the way they are, maybe break their structure a little bit to get a more clinical goal scorer or find that within the team. But if they can find more goals, you know, they're going to they're be a really good team. But I think without them even, they're going to finish in the top half for sure. You uh, you nearly said top four there, I know. Because it's hard, isn't it? Because I sometimes still think of the, the Premier League as being like, okay, if you do really well, you can hit top four. But now you've got so many teams that know, are saturated yeah. in that top half. It's so hard to see how any team can break into it. And the issue is, as we talked about earlier with regards to Arsenal, you've got Newcastle, who've got an injection of cash now, who are looking for, well, looking for an entire team. So, you know, Wolves are trying to do a lot of things and have tried to do a lot of things on the kind of, well, I'd say on the sly, but being quite smart through through Mendes, through their affiliations, bringing a lot of players in that a lot of people in in the Premier League, or in, you know, English football fans might not recognise. Maybe they need to go out and splash splash cash to really um, fast track that development. So, just just moving on then to Large himself, do you think he is the man to take Wolves forward? He's had an impressive season so far, but remains relatively 
inexperienced in management and fail to see a full season out of Benfica. Um, so, yeah, do you think he's the man to take Wolves forward? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, he is right now and he's, it's working right now, but I think you mentioned Brendan Rodgers earlier in the podcast. I know it wasn't in relation uh, to, to him as a manager, but something interesting about Brendan Rodgers that, uh, um, you know, may potentially be an issue for Lodge, but I, I don't think I know enough about him right now, is that Brendan Rodgers has this thing where when he comes in, his new manager bounce is like incredible and his teams play really, really well. And I mean, he won a trophy last season. He does really well for three or four years. But it happened at Liverpool, and it's happening now with Leicester. Something kind of just falls off, and I don't know if it's the, you know, the players are maybe being pushed too hard, and so they play really well for a period of time, and then they just their bodies just can't handle, you know, what he's asking of them, and, and they collapse in that way. Or I don't know, maybe he, he, you know, his dressing room, you know, techniques and and the things that he does don't necessarily always work out. I don't know what it is, but. I think that's the thing that would stop Lodge is that potentially there's, I mean, I, I don't know the, the exact details of what had him leave Benfica in the middle of the season, but, um, you know, I think that's the thing that would slow him down. But in terms of philosophy um, and in terms of the way his teams play on the pitch, and right now, particularly the squad he's got compared with, you know, and, and how it works with his play style, I mean, I go back to Arsenal because I'm an Arsenal fan and I, I know them very well. But, you know, when Mikel Arteta came in, he had to totally, he was changing the entire structure of the team. And it took a long time to the point where it's still in flux a little bit. And so a, a lot of fans won't and a lot of fans don't want to give Arteta more time. Um, but but Lodge is in kind of the almost the opposite situation, right, where everything's going really, really well when he started out because he didn't try to change the system. He's got a lot of really good profile players in. They're making good signings, um, but but it remains to be seen if it, it's one thing to be really really good when you first come in because new manager bounce I think is a real thing, um, and it's another thing to sustain that success for a long period of time and for this to work out and for him to stay longer at Wolves he's going to need to be able to put together three potentially even four seasons where it's like okay they're they're here they're here to stay they're always going to be a tough opponent they're always going to be exciting to watch. And boom, then you start focusing on things like whatever, you know, you can put some money into a stadium, you can splash big on a player because you're not worrying about, you know, the quality of the performance in and out, you know, week, week in and week out. So it remains to be seen. I, I don't like to make predictions like that early on, but right now he's, 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 he's there to stay and, and, and he's doing a really, really good job. And they're an exciting team to watch. They're a really fun team to watch. I think with the ownership, even though, as we've discussed, it's not as if they've been spending 40, 50 million per, per signing for a lot of these men that have came in um, to improve the team. But uh, they're quite unique for a, for a club outside the top four, top six. You've got the Jorge Mendes connection, which we touched on. Um, also, you know the fact that Forsen and his connections own various clubs. What I'm getting at here is, that it, will it be an ownership that could become impatient if you know there's no suggestions that large might might slow up but i don't think a wolves manager with the way that the direction the club's going with that kind of uniqueness they have in terms of being able to bring in you know with the mendes connection they seem to be able unique to any other premier league club just bring in a player at a good price Someone like Ruben Neves, obviously it's a Portuguese connection, but when he came in, it was like, you know, he he played in the Champions League with Porto. I think he captained them in the Champions League. Um, and then suddenly he turned up at Wolves. 
<laughs> and it's it no other team in the Premier League can do that. So with that capability and that almost that like in their arsenal, I do think the ownership would be a little bit impatient if they, you know, because they'd probably think, well, how long will we have this Mendes connection? How long will we we have all these players come in before other teams like Newcastle United, for example, become much better and that again that top ten becomes more more saturated. So so finally to um to kind of to kind of wrap up today on the final question. We we discussed, you know, we've discussed Wolves' impressive defensive record and lack of goals. Um, Wolves are now owned by Forsen, as I mentioned, and heavily influenced by Mendes. So again, any manager might have have limited time to say, um, have limited say, or sorry, might have limited time, but then also might have limited say in transfers. But if Bruno does stay in the kind of short, medium, long term, how can he make Wolves even better? Do you think? Um, I, I think a big part of it's going to be chemistry. I mean, I, I mentioned that there's a lot of young guys. Um, you know, I can speculate on, on players I'd like them to sign. I mean, I really like Darwin Nunez. Um, I think he's he's a really great striker. Does he play for Benfica right now? I don't know exactly uh, off the top of my head what, what team he's at. But there's a couple strikers that I would, would like to see them, especially since Raul's now 31. I'd like to see them look at um, and maybe sign in, in the future to replace him. But, you know, I really think most importantly is about developing the, the young guys they have now. They've got Neto, they've got Trincao, they've got um, the, the winger that they just signed. He's a young guy. I think he's 22, 21. They've got Max Kilman in defense. They've got um, – Saiz is, is, is more of a veteran, but, you know, he's, he's, he's entering his prime now. And then their wingbacks, Semedo and, and Ait Nuri, who are really good, are, are both young. Um, and I think that it's the key is going to be work with the core of really good guys you have. You have a spine, you have Neves, you have Sa, you have Cody, and you have uh, Raul right now. They're a very solid spine. And then get those younger guys just hitting the next level. And I don't really think again that like he would. He, I don't think he needs any signings right now um, to to improve the team and to or to at least keep the team at the level they are at the moment. Um, and I think it's just going to be about him again you know, growing into his managerial, you know, responsibilities and duties as a Premier League manager and what that looks like. And I think he's doing it really well, and, and I hope it continues. And I would like to see some real progression, particularly from a player like Trincao, right, who has so much potential. He's a ridiculously talented player from, on a technical level. I'd like to see him improve. Um, and if those guys can take the next step, that's, I think, really going to be the moment when Wolves fans say, okay, we're locking in with this guy. We really, really think this Lodge dude is the guy to take us forward because, you know, not only are we getting results, but the guys who could be better are getting better. Um, and so I'd like to see that happen to really, really take the next step and prove himself. Yeah, you're, you're very right that it's a pretty young and exciting side. There are a few, well, I'd say three aging players in key positions. So, Matinho was 35, which I didn't realise. He looks 10 years younger than that. But obviously, he's been in the game and in some impressive clubs in his career. Sice is 31 and Jimenez okay, is, is, is 30. So, you're right, Alt-Nuri, Alt-Nuri, so many players in that lineup from Portens to Trincao to Neto, who is going to be like a new signing when he comes back, are also young, Kilman in particular, um, at his, in his position. But obviously, those key positions—you've got Matinho, central midfield, size, centre back, Jimenez, um, striker—all at the moment pretty much starters. So, it, I think the challenge will probably be 
you know, finding long-term replacements. They're such key players in that team as well. Finding right. long-term replacements for those players in those positions. Again, whilst you're battling with the rest of the Premier League in the top 10 to uh, to find them. Yeah, and I think it, it'll really, it'll be a test of time. We'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, if Neves leaves in the summer, which has been linked for a while, they're going to need to have somebody lined up. And... <laughs> to Arsenal, isn't it? Right. I, yeah. To Arsenal. I mean, I, I would love for that to happen. That'd be that'd be amazing. He's a great player. But um, but yeah, it, it'll definitely be a test of time. And I, I think that's really where a manager, especially in the Premier League, which had so much attention on it constantly, more so than some other leagues, it's harder to be a mid-table club in the Prem and 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 keep your best players, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. than it is for you know teams in Italy or 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 in, in Portugal or in Spain to necessarily do the same thing. It takes a little bit longer for you know, uh, you know, people to catch on. Whereas in the Premier League, it's such a, a massive thing um, that they're going to constantly be needing to integrate new guys in no matter what. Um, and like you mentioned, so so we'll see. We'll see how they address those issues, you know, how they replace Raul, how they replace Moutinho, um, how they replace um, Co- Cody at some point, and then Saiz as well, or, or give them backups. But um, if, if he can, if he can get, you know, again, like I said, if he can, if he can do that correctly and manage that, squad building element of it well he's going to be here for a while i think yeah i think you you hit the nail on the head i think the difficulty is in actually replacing uh these older players i think wolves have kind of you mentioned the likes of dendonka in midfield um we've got the the likes of obviously opponents that you mentioned as well that that can come in and i think it's not really about the aging players it's about the younger stars that get good when you're a mid-table team i completely agree now i was saying um eight nori and not maybe not Samedo because he was signed for a lot of money, but definitely someone like Neves and players like that, or Hang Hee Chan has been signed permanently for was it sixteen mil. Imagine if he goes and scores fifteen goals all of a sudden, then that's the difficulty for these middle clubs is you can't really even bank on your elder statesmen, how you replace them, it's how do you even keep a hold of the younger players? Max Kilman is in line for an England call-up. That will then raise his price. He's left footed. There's the there's a dearth of left footed centre backs in the league. I think English ones, you're looking at Tyrone Mings and I don't know if there's another naturally left. There probably is, but I can't think of the top of my head. So, yeah, I mean, so his, his his value skyrockets straight away. Right. And, and that, that's the difficulty that Wolves have got to do. And, and yeah, it remains to be seen whether they'll actually do it. And yeah, Pedro Neto coming back will be a fantastic boost. And yeah, whether they, whether Wolves can get into the Europa Conference League or Europa League it will remains to be seen. It's getting so compact now. There's about 10, 11, 12 teams <laughs> to fit in those places. Uh, so it remains to be seen whether they get there, but they're definitely on the right track. Well, that's basically all we have time for today. Uh, thank you, Aidan, to joining us uh, to talk, discuss all things Bruno Large and Wolverhampton Wanderers. I very rarely say their full name, but yeah, it's quite good to say. But yeah, please remember <laughs> to check out Aidan's article on Breaking the Lines for more details on Large and Wolves. And make sure to follow Aidan on Twitter uh, as well um, at EyesTFB. Uh, got the eye test, TFB. Eye test. Eye test <laughs> <with him. laughs> As I said earlier in the podcast, I've been struggling to, with reading today for for for, 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 for for a wide variety of reasons, including uh, Arsenal's dire transfer window. But that but that concludes our manager under the spotlight series. But please continue to follow Breaking the Lines and Wife for all upcoming content. Uh, there's some interesting stuff coming up soon. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. 
Cheers. Cheers, Aiden. Thanks so much, guys. It was a pleasure.